It's giveaway time on interiority with Ethnic. Ethnic by Tunde Owolabi is a contemporary African design house that produces fashion accessories using the ancient Aso Oke fabric woven by artisans whose skill has been passed down over generations. Over the next five weeks, Ethnic and Interiority are giving away a pair of slip-ons to one lucky listener who answers the weekly question correctly. This week's answer is found in the words of Interiority guest Landa Mabenge. The question is, what is the name of the village that Landa grew up in in the Eastern Cape, South Africa? To win a pair of slip-ons, send a direct message with your answer to at Interiority Podcast on Instagram. Possess a piece of African heritage. Today on Interiority, we go inward with the inspiring Landa Mabeng. From an early age, Landa knew that he didn't relate to the female form that he was born into. And in his book, Becoming Him, a trans memoir of triumph, Landa shares his extraordinary life story of being born in the wrong body. At the age of 11, he is traumatically taken away from his grandparents' home, a happy home, the only home that he had known, to be raised by parents who subject him to horrific physical, emotional, and psychological abuse. He grows up feeling trapped, and this leads him to descend into a world of isolation and profound shame. He grows up as a young person feeling imprisoned and counting down the days till his 18th birthday where he can eventually get away from his tormentors. In his new life, away from home, he tries to embrace a life as a butch lesbian. But after a close-to-death breakdown, Landa finally confronts what he has to do. He finds the courage to live truthfully and he undertakes a courageous four-year-long journey of gender alignment towards becoming him. In 2014, Landa makes history by becoming the first known transgender man in South Africa to successfully motivate a medical aide to pay for his surgeries. He now lives his full truth. He lives free and with the full command over his identity and life. And in 2017, Landa was selected out of over 60,000 African applicants for the Mandela Washington Fellowship for Young African Leaders. Today, Landa lives a transformed and happy life as a transgender educationalist and consultant. This is a book, it's a story, and it's a life that will leave you uplifted and changed. My name is Landa Mabenge. I come from a quaint peri-urban community called Ngambezana. It's on the outskirts of Umtata in the Eastern Cape province. I'm an author, a published author of this book. I am a teacher, I'm a friend. I'm an uncle, I'm a brother. I'm someone's child, but fundamentally I'm a human being. In August 2018, I published this book, um, Becoming Him, a trans memoir of triumph. And this book details my journey as a transgender man, but also a human being. Um, The previous year, which was 2017, I had been selected as a Mandela Washington Fellow and had been placed at the presidential precinct uh, with 24 other young, eager African leaders from across this continent. Uh, We initially spent time in Charlottesville in Virginia, as scholars at the University of Virginia, and then we eventually rounded off our residency at the College of William and Mary in Williamsburg. But before we moved to Williamsburg, we'd spent a week 
staying on the farm of President James Madison called Montpellier. While in Charlottesville, though, I had an unpleasant encounter, and this was my first ever transphobic experience in my life. Um, for those of you who might not know, transphobia is the dislike of or prejudice against transgender people. And a transgender person, if you don't know, is a human being whose gender identity does not match the sex that they are assigned at birth. So when we're born, we're assigned male, we're assigned female, based on our physical sex anatomy. So life tells us then that you can be whatever you desire to be, as long as it does not translate to your immediate body or authentic self. This is something I realized. The optimist in me, who always chooses to see the best in everyone, saw everything in silhouette that day. I realized that humans will only see and receive you as long as you fit some predetermined binary that makes them comfortable about who you are. So this encounter can probably be best described as what Chimamanda Adichie refers to when she talks about the danger of a single story. A story that creates stereotypes that are incomplete and more often than not, a story that is detrimental to the subject of that story. The same danger that Chimamanda herself was recently caught out for when she uttered some transphobic words against transgender women. In my case though, this was very true because that is the, that is the narrative of what we have come to know in Africa. Sex, gender and sexual binaries are mapped onto us before we are born. And so by the time we become, we, we have our journeys and our, our lives pathed for us. The only story that my rival knew during that heated exchange was that as a transgender man, I was an abomination and a menace to society. And that the only way to silence me and clip my wings was to destroy me using uncanny words. That South Africans have too many liberties and have overstepped the boundaries of morality. Suffice it to say, the episode resulted in deep divisions within the fellow camp itself because there are 25 of us living together. And it became clear that a lot of other young African leaders in the same space also ha had or held the same single story about me as a transgender man. So what could have ended in dismissal for my transgressor, transgressor ended actually in a fairy tale for both of us. I was offered the opportunity to actually mediate the, the, the situation. And when that offer was put on the table, I elected to shelve my emotions and use the opportunity to teach because I am a trans educationist. How are you doing? Are you good? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good, good. Adjusting to a new normal, if I can call it that. Yeah. But otherwise, yes. very good. We're doing well. Ah, that's so good to hear. Um, and we're speaking on a day after you had lots of work to do. It was yesterday, right? International Day Against Homophobia. Yeah. Biphobia. You're working on that. Yeah. So I had to, to do a couple of videos for Stellenbosch University's Equality Unit. So they've got this unit that uh, sort of drives um, issues of diversity in terms of gender, sexuality and expression on campus. So I had to record a couple of videos for them so that they could um, 
put them on their Instagram live and just to sort of get the message out there to, you know, because people can't now congregate outside, obviously. So it was just to put the message out there and this is them being breaking the silence, talking about the importance of visibility and why it's important for people to take up space uh, in terms of their diversity. And yeah, it was, it was... So I had to sit down and sort of zoom my thoughts in because each video had to be between three and four minutes long. But I mean, there's a lot wow. that one can say. So we had to sort of like keep it to that. And yeah, but I generally do a, quite a bit of work with them. Yes, yes. Oh, that's fantastic. That's really wonderful. Are you finding that it's difficult to do some of that work in the midst of COVID? Because it's almost like it's really overshadowed every so many aspects of life and mm. other priorities, other social, um, even health priorities have had to just be put to the back burner. Yeah, no, definitely it's become very tricky. Uh, most of this work requires in-person interactions, you know. So mm. having to switch now to these virtual mediums and trying to communicate and, you know, it's, it's been very tricky. Um, I do know a lot of people have battled, especially in terms of access, you know, getting your, your healthcare needs um, and getting your, your, you know, you having to go to hospital. It's been a bit tricky because now suddenly it's not a priority. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's been very, it's been very tricky. Um, yeah, it's, it's, but we, we, we're trying to work with what we have. Um, there are organizations NGOs who do this type of work, who do have sort of like linkages in terms of the various public institutions mm. that provide the care, and so mm. trying to stream people through those media. But it's very difficult because it does it does take a bit of, you know, it's it's very affirming when you can speak to someone in person and have them, you know, be yeah. part of your journey in that in that in that space vis a vis. Um, through this, this this virtual platforms, it's very tricky. Yeah. But we do what we must. No, absolutely. I know you've got your, your consultancy, uh, Landama Beng mm-hmm. Consulting, and you're doing great advocate, advocacy work. Um, you're an activist in the space, no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Is it, how fulfilling is it? Give me a sense of just how fulfilled uh, or how, fu- how fulfilled you feel and how fulfilling it's been to find yourself here. Because you've done all sorts of other jobs. I mean, you've worked for health, a medical aid. You've worked for Yo, a retailer. I <laughs> Yo, I have. I have. Like, at some point, I was so frustrated because I, I wasn't, you know... Um, where we get socialized into you, you need to know your passion or your goal or your dream by certain oh, yes. age, right? The so pressure. I was a bit, <laughs> I was a bit frustrated because it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't coming together. But I realized at some point as well that it was because I had this internal battle with who I was and how I wasn't able to sort of create space for myself in terms of visibility in the world or in, in my immediate communities. Um, and the spaces I moved in. So I guess to a large extent, that's why I had to dabble in a lot of things until I was able to align myself and be like, you know what, Landa, you are just being who you are now. It's We're, we're done with this, you know. Um, so um, I'm finding this work to be so fulfilling. It's amazing in the sense that 
I am able to connect on a, on a human level with a lot of people. And it's not necessarily just people who are gender or sexually diverse. It's a whole host of, of, of human beings. And for me, it's, it's made me realize that however we identify or however we present, whoever we are, there's this thread that ties us as human beings, you know? Yeah. And that's something yeah. that I got a lot from becoming him or putting the book out there because, and as much as it was a very difficult process in terms of opening, my, opening myself to the world, allow or putting myself at everyone's mercy because everyone can unpack me as they will uh, and dissect me as they will. But the one thing I learned... Um, is that aligning myself to who I am and living my truth, um, it, it makes me feel a measure of completion and a lot content. I'm very content in terms of my humanity and the fact that I'm able to relate to a whole host of human beings, regardless of identity, expression, sexuality. Um, a, a lot of people have found points of connections with me through that yes. and that for me yes. is very very affirming because it means at some point where we are each just trying to it's almost like that song by um i forget his name but being uh, lost stars just trying to light up our spaces in the dark you know mm. um mm. and so that for me it's it's i've, I've i mean at, at almost 40 i turned 40 next year at almost 40 years old i feel like my life is beginning my life has got meaning um, my life has got value because every single interaction that I have has been very, very much, you know, it, it's been it's been amazing. It's for some people, they're not comfortable with the fact that I have the liberty and the autonomy to be who I am. And that too is OK, because it, it, it just affirms that I'm not here to appease uh, anyone. I'm just here to to take up space and to align myself to my purpose to serve as best as I can and to just live yes. a full life, you know? Yeah, you're not yeah. here to nurse heteronormative fragility. No, no, <laughs> you're no not, not at all. But I just love, it is not I love what you're saying. No, I love what you just said, like at the earlier part and everything just dropped. Everything just kind mm. of came together when you said that your purpose became clearer when mm. you were being yourself, when you were being yes, authentically yourself. <gasps> and I'm thinking, oh, so all these detours, all this discontent that we tend to feel in life. Yeah. And there's the lesson. Is it tied to living an inauthentic life? So I, I think, think it's a question so. that I'm going to sit with uh, and really kind of analyze a little bit longer. I just yeah. love this connection you've made. It's amazing. You see, as much as the, the beauty, like when you look at the fuller picture and you see this thing for what it is, it all leads yeah. you, it, it's all leading us to, towards that end. But it becomes frustrating, especially when you know and when you can feel that you are battling against yourself. And that, that happened to me quite a lot. And mm -hmm. the, the premise of all of that was, was obviously because I had been socialized and reared in a specific way. And even when I, be, I started my becoming journey, I mean, identifying as this butch, butch, the butchest of the butch. And I always, I always um, marvel at how I became such a, 
sort of I had a bit of aggression in terms of 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 this of of, of my identity at that time because I had been so frustrated and and so you know I was in such a claustrophobic space internally. I, I kind of like burst out. And so when I took up that space, in as much as I didn't feel the need to explain or, or um, you know, explain myself to anyone, my family included, but it came with a measure of relief and release as well, you know? And mm. so the minute I stopped battling against myself, I found that, you know what, it's okay, you know? Um, I need to just allow this journey to ebb and flow as it wants to and flow and that's where I found myself where I am today you know Mm. I love that lesson in finding in finding your purpose I just love that lesson what a great way to start because I was thinking where to start and I thought okay maybe start where I first met you and I distinctly remember that morning uh, it was part of the Mandela Washington Fellowship gatherings. The chapters that mm. uh, are all uh, the, the the Joburg chapter had gathered and brought other Africans together, um, and you mm-hmm. were one of the speakers. And I remember yeah. sitting there and just being—I felt you were such a, an anchored person, you know, brave mm. in what you were saying. But your bravery was coming from being just so anchored in who you are. And I thought, mm. okay, what an interesting, but then you gave me your book at the end and it turned out your yeah. publisher had also forwarded me a copy. Um, Melinda yeah. had forwarded a copy uh, and your book, Becoming Him, A Trans Memoir of Triumph. I read it. I couldn't stop thinking about you. I couldn't stop thinking yeah. about your life. And just so yeah. many things were flooding to me about what I also, what I still want to know, what I still want to kind of discover about you because I just simply fell in love. So, yeah. and I thought, I, wa- I wonder how you think of your life. Do you see your life as a brave act? You know, is your life like a, a bravery in action, if I can put it that way? Because that's certainly how I, I felt um, yeah. as I progressed. Interesting. Yo, I, I have never thought of it like that, eh? I just, I, I, I guess given the parameters of how our lives ought to, to unfold, I guess mm-hmm. it, it, could, it could happen that it is a bravery in action, but the way that I see it, it's, it's, it's more of the beginning of, of, of life and, and the, the, like I, I've ceased to, to, to exist and I've begun to live. And so mm. I think since since we all these these beings that are just um that have you know we are here on this earth, we're trying to find we 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 start living at, at at different points in our lives, I guess, because at some point we all need to unlearn and relearn. It's it's a constant ebb and flow like that. So I guess for me I see it as 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 a living now, you know, that's 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 it's it's a truth, mm. you know. It's 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 a proper way of doing this life thing. Whereas before, I was floating and ticking boxes because I'd been given those boxes to tick, you know. And yeah. so for me, it it's it doesn't feel like an act of bravery. It feels um, like a truth that 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 I was avoiding for a long time. But then I guess in this world where everything has become so. You know, such a lie, such a, um, 
Mm. Um, labeling people end up floating and existing because there's so much pressure you know from the moment we're born there's so much pressure so I guess in that sense it could be seen as that Um, yeah I've never thought of it like that no that's certainly the sense that I got reading it uh, because you were up against Mm. so many odds you know uh, there were just so many obstacles along the way and the way you fought your way through them, it was not perfect. Uh, you didn't yeah, do them. Yeah. You didn't fight through these battles with this, with the halo and as a saint. No not at all. You fought your way through yeah. them as, yeah, as a frail, um, as, as an imperfect, as an imperfect human being. And to see the outcome of that, I think for me was just like to watch and to to observe uh, uh, bravery. But I, mm. I do want to touch on uh, different things, but for, for everybody who's listening okay. now, they've got to get a sense of what we're actually talking about because you describe your experience of being male in a female body. And I'm going to quote yeah. from your book, as you say, a disequilibrium between yeah. my being and the body in which I have been born. And then soon yeah. after that, you describe it as my body is a contradiction of my soul. And I thought yeah. these are such um, really great descriptions. This, mm. this is very apt. It's very apt, in fact. So, yes, that, that, that's exactly how it, 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 it's been feeling, you know, and... I guess it, it all goes back also to, to when I said that we, we put under pressure from the moment we're born. Uh, from the moment we're born, we assign the gender, and this gender is linked to our physical sex characteristics, right? And yeah. so this gender is, um, it, it becomes our identity. We, we, we become molded according to what the secondary and tertiary characteristics linked to this particular gender ought to unravel or ought to develop as human beings. Mm-hmm. So if you're born uh, with male or, or physical characteristics, then you're a man and men get households, they are fathers, they're providers, they're husbands, and then for females, um, you're a wife, you're a sister, you're a, you know. So th- this is the pressure. For me, I never felt an alignment between the body and the mm-hmm. gender that I was assigned or who I was, I was told I was. I mean, and, mm-hmm. and I detailed this in becoming it from a young age that I felt that, no man, this girl that everyone is telling me I am is just not who I am. And yeah. I was having these conversations in my head, obviously, because there was no other language but the binary language. That if this mm-hmm. is how you're born, this is the box you fit in. If this is how you're born, this is the box you fit in. And so it's only later on in life where I realized, but hang on, there's a difference between gender and sex, right? Um, and the, the, the two are, 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 are not um, mutually exclusive. So you might have a male um, sex characteristics and still have attraction towards other men. And mm. so I learn about sexual orientation, but there's nothing at that point that speaks to being born in a body that does not align to who you are. So in other words, um, being born a man, but having your body reflect as a woman, you know? And so I couldn't find the language. I didn't know that if this thing was even possible, what I did know was that it was contrary 
um, to a lot of spaces I had been to, or to a lot of communities I'd grown up in, you know, um, growing yeah. up um, in my grandparents' home, then going to the parents' house. Everyone seems to shy, especially at the time where um, sexuality now became quite a thing because it was more visible, it was more in the news. This is now the early 90s as I'm growing and developing. Everywhere I go, homosexuality is wrong. Same-sex relations are wrong. What I do know at this time, though, this, this, this is where, I think this is where I became very much confused as well, is that while I don't have words or language to describe how it is that I feel that this body is not mine, what I do know is that I feel an attraction towards what I would then term as the same sex. You know, mm-hmm. and even as I grow and develop in high school, my bodies are developing and I'm attracted to the other girls in, in, in my grades, in the school. And I cannot allow myself to feel these feelings because they are wrong. I've been taught they're wrong. Uh, I need to just shut them down. So it's only mm-hmm. after I actually leave um, home and I get um, into UCT that I start to embrace these parts of who I am but it still does not allow me to feel completion in terms of an alignment with my body so much later I then google what does it mean to feel like a woman in a man's body and that's where I get the knowledge that's when I then learned that the the being human is not as, as black and white as we've been taught, you know? Um, there's, a, there's a whole, there's a, it's a beautiful spectrum and people can fall along at any point on the spectrum. I learn about being intersex, you know, I learn, there's a lot of, 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 of words that I started to know about. And this is when I'm like, what? In my early 20s already, you know? Mm-hmm. So for the longest mm-hmm. time, I'm living a life, I'm floating in my head, I don't know what, I don't know what's going on, but what I do know is that what presents as my body and who I am are just not in sync. Because as part of your journey uh, to now being a person who is of service to others, you research, you study the history of gender, um, and you actually find some interesting insights about the beliefs of ancient peoples, um, ancient yeah. peoples of the world, in fact. What is that history that you encountered briefly? So a lot of spaces I've got, they recognize gender as being very fluid. I mean, the most spoken and most researched about is the Native American um, sort of space where they recognize a third gender. It's, 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 it's something that they've revered, they've recognized. Mm. I've, 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 I've read a lot about, even in Africa, pre-colonialism. Um, in that time, you, you, you get some of your, 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 your cultures in Africa that actually allow young children to, to determine their own gender as they grow and develop and become, you know? So... Um, I learned that, um, so with the onset of colonialism, then comes this binary, and this binary says, if you're born this way, this is who you are. If you're born that way, this, this is who you are. And in terms of yeah. people who are intersex, who are born with, 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 with uh, sex characteristics of, of either or, or both, mm-hmm. this is now male and female, in most instances, they get killed at birth because they defy, mm. they defy the binary, you know? So mm. I learned that um, um, gender can be very, very, very fluid and is actually very fluid. And that is when I realized that there's nothing untoward about me 
knowing that this body doesn't reflect my true gender. You know, yeah. uh, I also read up about Sobon Fusome. Um, she was from Burkina Faso, an academic, and she had written extensively about gender and sexuality. And one of the books that I read was The Spirit of Intimacy and how she talks mm. about the, the attractions between the, the sexes and how they come about and, and what this means in terms of spirituality, you know? So that for me is when I realized that, yo, this, this, I've been lied to, you know? Um, I, I haven't had access. I haven't had, I hadn't, I haven't known where to look, who to speak to or whether the, these realities existed, you know? Because even the curriculum is quite, it's quite laid out for you from when you are born. Hence, you need to decide who you, what you're going to become from a young age so that you can follow one path and this path is going to take you from A to B. So when I get all of that information, I, I decide that, you know, it's, 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 it's one thing to be born this way and to know my identity is not reflected in my body, but I am now making a decision to align the body to the core yes. who I am. And that's when I find the, 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 the sexologist and the, the transgender clinic mm-hmm. and I, I begin the process towards becoming him. And I always make that distinction personally because I always feel, I always get asked the question, but you now changing what you've been born as, doesn't that defy the law of the universe or the law of God? And my, my thinking is, you know, I have journeyed, I've walked, I have, I have walked this path, I have, you know, I've had my ups and downs. What I do know is that this universe, this deity, has brought me all of this information. And with this information at my disposal, I am now choosing to use it to, to, to benefit me and to align my body. To, to, to the core of who I am. So yeah, there's yeah. a lot of information out there. There's a lot of, um, you know, even when I was on the Mandela Washington Fellowship, I actually mm. met a fellow from Burkina Faso and he was telling me that in their village, um, he comes from a rural village somewhere in Burkina, but in their village, they don't, they don't restrict people from, from assuming gender roles that they feel aligned to. Um, mm. And so I found that to be very interesting because uh, the minute we're born, we get told and we get socialized. And yet, as we grow Absolutely. older, we realize, but no, man, there's more to life than this, you know? So, yeah, mm, that's, that's, absolutely. that's how I got to. I, and of course, that can only be empowering. And I'm sure that um, every time you speak, that every time you get up there on a podium, it's an opportunity for other people to learn. Um, and you studied, you went on to to research, to discover what was happening mm-hmm. within you. Um, so just in brief then, what is gender identity disorder? So gender identity, the disorder part was dropped now from the World Health Organization classification because it, it carries... Yes, because even in your book, because mm, yeah. you noticed that in your book that I yeah. didn't like... Additional word when especially it's the as someone place. exactly especially as someone who has been having mental health challenges as a child you know so the the disorder part was was dropped uh, from the World Health Organization classification but gender identity um, is the core of who you are it's your own personal perception of who you are right um, and so 
I I am a man. I identify as a man, and I had I was assigned female at birth, so my gender identity is male. Uh, I identify as male, and I express as male. Um, and so yeah, so in in a nutshell, your gender identity is your personal perception of who you are. I always say mm-hmm. the person knows themselves best. So your gender is who you are. Your sex, on the other hand, are your physical. Mm-hmm. Uh, primary, secondary, and tertiary uh, uh, characteristics. Right. There's a part in the book where you're undergoing hormone replacement therapy and you write, and I'm Mm going to quote again, and you say, I have entered the hospital a man trapped in a woman's body and I will leave a man emerging from a body that has trapped him all of his life. Oh, mm. that line just made me cry. It really, <laughs> that, like, I had to pause. I closed the book and I just sat and thought about those words. It. Yeah, it's, it's, and I mean, this is something I was going through alone for the most part because I guess I had to be sure and I had to sit down and have conversations with myself, especially since I had never heard of, of, of these words or this language before, you know? And so yeah. speaking to the panel at Fruitersky Hospital with all of these uh, physicians and these specialists, you know, and it was all building up to that moment where I would get my first um, testosterone shot. And it was the most exciting day um, in a long time because for the first time, even though I knew that I wouldn't see any drastic changes immediately, but it was a first mm. step, you know, and it was a first step towards this becoming. And it filled me with such utility because even throughout the process, as I was, as I was learning more about a gender identity and, and being transgender and actually the, the surgeries that, that one goes through if they, if they want to, I was hearing a lot of horror stories, you know. Uh, people were having right. very negative experiences. And here I was with this team of, 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 of healthcare specialists and we were we kind of like taking the first leap and it was amazing. Um, and it was something that I felt I was doing by myself with them, of course, but mostly for myself, you know. For the first time, I didn't have to answer to anyone. I did not have to... Um, abide by anyone's um, constructs. I didn't have to deny myself um, the truth of who I was anymore. And so that for me was a very, very, very poignant moment in terms of the actual journey towards becoming. Yes. You know, um, as you say that now, I'm thinking of what freedom must mean to you. Because <laughs> after that phrase, after that uh, line that I, that I mentioned from your book, it certainly triggered thoughts of freedom, you know. Um, and oh, I thought like what Nina, Sim- what Nina Simone said when she was asked about what freedom means to her. And she said, I'll tell you what freedom means to me. It means no fear, you know. Mm. Um, and there's so much we could say about it. But I certainly thought, I wonder what you feel about the meaning of freedom for you, this liberation, especially after this liberation that you went through. Yeah. So for me, freedom is knowing that despite the odds, despite the opinions, despite the backlash, I am able yeah. to hold myself in high regard, you know, and, and, and walk with my head held up high, knowing 
that I'm, I'm, I'm living the truest form of who I am. That for me is freedom. And, and so, yeah, that, that, that for me, it, it didn't mean that I didn't have fear, but I was willing to walk out of it despite that fear, mm-hmm. you know, and walk into mm-hmm. my truth despite that fear because a big part of me knew that there would be, there was going to be a backlash, but I didn't care. Uh, I knew people were going to have opinions, but I did not care. I mean, I had I had come through it all. I had you know, I, I I was done with allowing others an, an upper hand or, or to impose their opinions on me. Mm. So for me, yeah, that, that that's that's what it means to know that regardless of everything else aside, you can you can hold yourself in high regard and know that uh, despite what the world may throw at you or, or what box they might put your squash inside you are able to dismantle that and just do you yes so has it made it easier for you to be true in all things true in all moments or as many of them as possible you know is it easy for you to always reach for um authenticity Yes, it's much easier. You know, I think more than even more than it being a, a, a result of me holding on to my truth or aligning myself to my to who I am, my childhood was marked by a lot of lies. You know, and yeah. I think I I I learned at I I learned at a very late age what was actually happening uh, in terms of who I was and who the parents were and that Uma was not my mother. So I, I think for a big part of me, always promised myself that in any situation, you must try and, and, and extend yourself towards the truth as much as possible. Come what may, mm-hmm. because you know, I know what the results of, of, of a lack of truth are. I know, I know what it can do. It can kill my spirit. It can destroy um, a lot of things and a lot of people. So I always strive for that. But definitely choosing to live my authenticity has made it easier for me to actually reach for authentic solutions in any situation and to always, um, as much as possible, to try and, and, and always make that choice above, above any other. Yeah. Um, let's stay with that thought for a little bit. As you mentioned, like when you were a child, uh, your parentage was something that got revealed in a very traumatic way. Um, and, you know, details of that are in the book. And I think as, mm. as children, many of us do have those musings. You, you know, your mother disciplines you really hard. She smacks you um, when you've done mm. something wrong or, and you're angry at them. And as children, we tend to think and have these musings that, oh, they're probably not my real parents. Uh, Mm. I wish they weren't my real parents. You know, if that's like a childhood (laughs) kind of state of of musing, you know. Um, But you actually had reason to feel that way. And in the book, you you also talk about the fact that you're unsure about when your date of birth is and you never quite knew why. Um, your parents were as cruel, not even going to say hard, but why they were so abusive and cruel to you as they were. Yeah, you know, I I, I get that. I get that uh, children get disciplined. You know, I've got I've got friends who are parents, young parents as well. And they always they always talk about how they will two finger their young 
kids, you know, in terms of the disciplining and stuff. But, you know, in, in, in the households um, in PE, it was very much clear because there were four kids in this house and two of the four are treated extremely differently from, from the other two. From the other two, you can see the love, you can see the conversations, the hugs, the kisses. And then from, 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 from the other two, it's, it's a completely different story. It's a story of where you go to bed without food, you know, it's, it's despite the fact that you've prepared the food. So it was clear, it was intentional. I could see it as a child. It was very, very clear. And so that for me, they made it, 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 was, it, it was legitimately actually questioning this because the way that um, some, uh, one set of kids was treated in this house was different to the other set. Yeah, and then um, I I don't I don't know I don't know why the parents were the way that the parents were. Um, I yeah I I I've forgotten you said the second part of your question now. Sorry. Um, no. I think you, you've touched on it, actually. Uh, so I saw you celebrating your birthday on uh, oh, yes, the birthday. at the time. <laughs> the birthday. And the, cat, yeah. like, the date, and I thought, oh, okay, clearly you settled <laughs> on a day or maybe some new truth has come to light about your actual date of birth. Can I just tell you? <laughs> I was actually <laughs> telling love <laughs> that. <laughs> so I said I settled on the 23rd of April. When I was in Umtata, it was first the 16th of April and then the 22nd of April. When I got to PE, it became the 23rd of April. When Ma died in 2005, I found my Danana birth certificate. It was the 22nd of May. So oh. <laughs> I said, it's, it's the weirdest thing ever, but I settled on the 23rd of April because all of my official documents from, from the PE era. So when I first got an ID and, you know, then my matric certificate and everything subsequently would be the 23rd of April. Plus, I also love the fact that uh, it's William Shakespeare's birthday. Um, so I'm <laughs> chuffed about that. But um, <laughs> so I settled on the 22nd. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been all of these dates. But I guess it it for me it always it it was also a point of just pick a date and own it and run with it, because at uh, some point there's a lot of this. this I, I will never know all of the people who were there when I was born. I know I'm like yeah, so I will never know. I've got two birth certificates. Mm-hmm. The one says twenty second of May. The one says twenty third of April. I don't know. <laughs> Let's stick with the no uniqueness. And just move forward. <laughs> no, <Nice>. your uniqueness <laughs> continues to to have layers to it. You are layering this uniqueness multiple of layers. <laughs> lots of them. Lots oh, of them. Multiple layers. But um, I think what's true for all of us is that we have a wounding. And a lot of our woundings, uh, if not all of them, well, the, the ones that really shape us happen in our childhood. And that wounding is something that we will always carry. You know, I know, for instance, yeah, yeah. I struggle um, and I struggled for some time and I still continue to try and make peace with the fact that my dad, my mom had to divorce my dad because of his actions you know, mm, and mm. I was just never quite settled about that decision. So for me, it's always mm. that people leave, you know, my wounding's yeah. always been like, yeah. you got to be like self-reliant, um, 
because mm. the closest, the, the one of the people who was meant to be closest to me left, mm-hmm. you know? And so yeah. you, it's informed how I run my relationships with friends, with family, yeah. with uh, lovers and so on. And I know that it's mm. a thing that I need to, even if you, even if you say, you try and reassure, there's always that wounding that, that says yeah. people, people leave, you know, people will, yeah. will leave you. Um, and it's always stayed with me. Have you identified yours? And what do you do with that, uh, that I think young me, Landa? Yeah. I think for me, it's people lie, you know. Um, I've been lied to a lot. Yo, as a child, as and that's the one pet hate I, ha- I have. I hate people mm-hmm. who lie to me, especially about things that have the ability of breaking the relationship, whatever the nature of the relationship might be, you know. Um, I hate it. I hate it. And I make it, I'm very vocal about it. Even in the beginning stages of a relationship, I will be, outright and say, you know, if there's one thing I really don't appreciate. And obviously over time, I've had to learn how to phrase that as well, you know, because that wounded child would be very much on some defensive that you lie to me, I leave. But now I've had to be, to to refine it as I grow older and be on some, there's one thing that that doesn't work for me and that's unnecessary, like lying, I, I feel it's unnecessary. I would rather deal with the truth and be wounded by the truth than have to deal with a lie. I, I have mm. battled to deal. There's a lot of things that I still don't know about my life. I'm sure you've read Becoming Him. And I mean, some of my friends and I still sit and wonder what could have happened to the mother such that mm. she treated some of her kids like that. We still have questions around that. And that's the product of lies, you know? Mm. Um, and so... That for me is the one thing. And I get that perhaps at some point families try and 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 close off the voids that are left because of the dynamics that happened before you were born. But at some point we need to come to the table and say, you know, this is what happened. Let's talk about this. Let's lay to rest and let's move forward. Because these transgenerational lies become a problem, you know? Yeah. And so I think for me that's that's the one thing. Um I cannot I I don't know how to deal with it. I battle to deal mm-hmm. with it. Um yeah, that that and and when I'm talking lies, I'm talking about, you know, things that are able that that have the ability to break something. So um you don't have to lie about the fact that you can lie about your color, your favorite color being blue or green. That that is immaterial. <laughs> but things that are going to change the direction of the relationship, sure, I don't think that's necessary. Or you know, mm-hmm. so yeah, I that for me is is a very it cuts very deep. It changes the way that I see someone actually. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 resulted in me walking away from a lot of of relationships from a lot of perspective, um, even, even in terms of my workspace, because I, I, I cannot, I, it, it, it's, 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 it's really, it's, a, it's very sensitive and very, I, I don't know how to work with it. Yeah. So, you know, the other thing, as you were saying, you, you've talked to friends about um, understanding the psyche and perhaps also looking for compassion for the mother, you know, to try and understand why she was the way she was. I think many of us do maybe start out angry 
at someone yeah. who has done us wrong. <clears throat> but then with time and perhaps even for, for our own healing, you start to wonder and think, maybe if I approach this from a, a place of compassion for that person, uh, I could understand yeah. better. So, and as human beings, we obsess with the question of why. Why? You know, yeah. <laughs> we obsess with it. Do. What, what, have you, what have you done? What have you done with that question <laughs> when, when it comes to some of the things that still that, that are still hanging about your life or mm. even just overall why it's happened the way it has? What do you do with the why? Sure, you know, I've 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 learned to let it go a bit by bit. I I I I don't there's not there will never be a, a response to that to that particular why question. Um a part of me knows that there's, there's a lot of, uh, of there's a lot of people who are still alive who I cannot hold account for that why question. Because the one person who was supposed to respond to that why question is no longer here. And you are right in saying um, at some point we need to develop a, an eye of compassion. I've battled with this a lot, a lot, a lot, because I felt that a lot of the things were just not necessary at all. Mm. And so part of my healing then, um, and a big part of, of my becoming journey, in terms of owning my truth and aligning myself towards why, and I've learned that everyone possibly and probably has their own compass in terms of where and to what extent they align themselves with who they are. I don't have the information outside of what I experienced immediately in terms of them. I don't know what could have happened with her first marriage or with her family. You know, I was saying to Lava the other day, we are, it's possible for one person to be a saint and a monster to, 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 to you know, we, we all have, the, the, we all have, we are all monsters or villains in some people's stories. That, that, mm. that, is, that, is a, that is a part of life. It's a part of who we are. We don't all um, resonate with others this, this, in, in, in a similar manner. And so I don't know. I don't have the full scope. I don't have the full picture. I, I, I cannot conclusively not want to let um, that, that pain go, to let that why question go slowly but surely because ultimately whatever truths are supposed to emerge or whatever information I'm supposed to have regarding my family and the relations with the mother and myself will come to light if it's supposed to. I cannot live my life in limbo anymore because I'm seeking a response to a why question I cannot get an answer to right now. Mm. Um, and so I've had to learn, you know, that, and a part of that has been allowing myself to fall in love with, 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 with parts of who I am that were common to the mother, like the, the passion for music. You know, I, I hated the fact that I could sing at some point because she could sing, you know. And, and so I've had to allow myself, that's, that's been part of my compassion practice, I guess, to fall in love with some of those, those commonalities and to just allow them to, 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 to run, to, to sort of grow into their own in terms of who I am. And we'll, I mean, the mother could write as well. She wrote a, a book for my grandfather for his 80th. And so those are things that I've had to learn to allow, you know. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's, 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 it's a constant becoming of self. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's work in progress. It's something that 
Um, I need, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly working on and I'm trying to. Yeah. No, it, it, begs, it, it really begs the question. And I think it's a big looming thought for a reader of your book. Like we read your story mm. and we're horrified by the things that have happened to you. Um, and then we see your becoming. It, we see it unfolding. We get to the chapter, one of the chapters at the end, loving mm. Landa. I just love that because mm. wonderful evolution, even in the titles, you know, Operation Landa, loving Landa. Yeah. And so when, yeah. we, when, we, when we get to, to that point, we've asked ourselves this question as a reader, how does he work with forgiveness? How does he forgive? What does he think of forgiveness? So I asked you about what your thoughts about freedom are, but now mm. I want your reflections on, on, for, on forgiveness because when I was reading it the whole time, I thought, when are they going to see each other next? Because you do have a number of years where you and mother don't uh, meet yeah. and I don't want to give yeah. away too many details of the book, but um, our listeners have to read it for sure. But the whole time thinking, I can't, I'm anticipating, I'm in anticipation of your next encounter, you know. Uh, yeah. I wonder what your thoughts will be about forgiveness and where you find it. Sure. One of the, one of the moments I remember very clearly is when I went back to Umtata and I was, I was chilling next to my grandmother and Oprah was playing on the TV and um, that particular episode stands out for me because that's when that seed was planted. Forgiveness is giving up the hope that the past could have been any different. When I first heard that quote, I battled with it because the past could have been different. People chose for the past not to be different. I was very much defensive. I was still in a very much demanding of a justification phase. Um, here I was wounded with, with, with scar tracks on my, on my wrist from trying to commit suicide, um, finding refuge now and healing in Umtata, which I've always seen as home, but still having these people who I'm staying with here, chatting to the mother instead of um, calling or summoning a meeting and, and demanding answers. And that's not happening for me, you know. So, so you that, wanted the you wanted the, the cancel. I wanted a confrontation. I wanted yes. people to cancel or confront and bring her here because for me, in my mind, this is one person, one person that everyone seems to tiptoe around. What is it? it? It was that. What is it? Why? 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 And that's when I confronted my grandparents, uh, and then I regretted it immediately because now they were they were they were they were much older, you know. So. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I couldn't understand that. But the seed, nonetheless, was definitely planted. And so getting back to Cape Town and working extensively in therapy, I had to, therapy was the most, it was one of the most brutal things I've ever had to go through. Because for the first time I had to confront my demons, I had to confront the fact that I was a reject from the child, from the moment I was born. Add to that the fact that I don't even know what's going on with me. I feel like an alien in this body. Nothing seems to be going right. But nonetheless, I chose to do the work. I, I really chose to do the work. And so, and I guess it's because my therapist and I, we, we, we kind of like, we, we, we worked from the word go. 
But over the years, I have had to catch myself a lot. Uh, Catching myself has meant that sometimes when it's my natural um, inclination to to become the victim, to become the injured Bambi that I had always been, I had to remind myself and pause and be like, but you've reclaimed your life now. And part of Mm. me reclaiming my life means I need to be an adult about how I view and work with a lot of my emotions. And part of that means working towards finding resolution. So for me, forgiveness is not an end. It's an ongoing thing. It's, it's, it's like me choosing to run for, let's say, to run for president of the country. At some point, I'm going to have to make unpopular decisions. But that means I must own those decisions and be mature enough to be able to run with what's best for the, for the people that I am leading. And so I take that and I internalize it. I am leading me now and I need to take responsibility for every point I am in my life. So it's a a work in progress for me. It's not an end. It cannot be an end. I cannot Mm. spend 18 plus, 18, 19, 20 years of my life in a very hostile, uh, unsafe environment and think that within a scope of 10 years I will be I will have reached a point and press a button and say okay all is forgiven now all of those feelings are gone no they come they go I ebb and flow I need to be I I I I I I've made it a practice to be alert and to be present in my own thoughts and in my own feelings and to always remember that in as much as I always talk about this thread that ties us as human beings, that thread also ties me and the mother and the father. And I need to find a way for that thread to continue in the bigger scope of, of being human. Mm. So Mm. it's, it's a work in progress. Some days are hard. Some days are painful. Some days are, are actually okay. You know, some days are not as bad, you know, but it's, it's definitely a working progress. It's giveaway time on interiority with Ethnic. Ethnic by Tunde Owolabi is a contemporary African design house that produces fashion accessories using the ancient Aso-Oke fabric woven by artisans whose skill has been passed down over generations. Over the next five weeks, Ethnic and interiority are giving away a pair of slip-ons to one lucky listener who answers the weekly question correctly. This week's answer is found in the words of interiority guest, Landa Mabenge. The question is, what is the name of the village that Landa grew up in, in the Eastern Cape, South Africa? To win a pair of slip-ons, send a direct message with your answer to at interiority podcast on Instagram. Possess a piece of African heritage. I think a lot of people will, will get a lot of insight and hope from what you've just said about forgiveness, uh, that yeah. they'll get a sense of the process that they're undergoing yeah. in a journey on their way to, to forgiving. But yeah. how did you, how do you, the thing is you also had to deal with a lot of people who wanted to invalidate who you are, mm. you know, and I think this is an experience that many of us as Africans, as black people have, that much Mm. of the world is hostile towards us and wants to invalidate who you are, what you feel, your experiences are invalidated. Um, Where you always have to justify your existence. 
I, you know, I've, I've gotten to a point where, firstly, I choose my spaces. I choose my people. I choose mm. to, to see those in me. I choose to affirm those. That's the thing about choice. Like, like I said, that autonomy is removed from us from, from the moment we're born. And once you find yourself at a point where you can reclaim that, then you can create your space, your immediate surroundings, whoever you interact with as you wish. But in the bigger scheme of life, sometimes that's not possible, right? So for me, it's, it's, it's always important to not shy away from who I am. If, if, if someone is going to invalidate me uh, because that's how they perceive me and that's how they feel about me, then that, that, that's on them. I call them out on it. Um, I call them out on it because it's not right. My humanity is not a subset of theirs. I am not here to live according to someone else's blueprint of how life ought to be lived. And I feel if anyone wishes to interact with me and engage with me on any level, then they must have the emotional intelligence and the knowledge. The, the, they must be mature enough to realize that the fact that they exist they matter is, is the same as mm. me. I exist, I matter. I am not mm. a subset of their humanity or they are, they are not a medium of how human morality must work or how human beings, or no, it doesn't work like that. So I, 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 I do call people out. I do, because I, I, that, that comes with representation as, and visibility as, as well. A lot of young trans um, or gender and sexually diverse um, people are not able to, 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 to find their spaces yet because we lack a lot of visibility. But visibility mm. will lack because human beings choose to be cruel. Human beings choose to, 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 to be unkind. That's the thing. So I feel as part of my service offering, it's to assert and affirm myself in a space. And if I need to call people out, I will do that. I don't have to be mm. as nasty as you, but I will definitely assert myself and tell you that my humanity does not depend on you. You are not the yeah. author and finisher of who I am. So I think it's important for, 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 for those conversations to happen as well. And for human beings to just, we need to continuously call people out. Like you said, as black people, I mean, who gets shot while they're out on a jog? A black man, you know? That's, what ha that's what's happening in 2020. So it, it just goes to show that we, we need to up the pace in terms of, um, calling this out, calling yeah. out, yeah, calling this out, and also creating an owning space, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's 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 how I do it. Yeah, no, I because you know, reading your story, there were obviously also people who gave hope, you know, in spite of those mm -hmm. experiences, perhaps that you felt uh, didn't validate the person that you felt you were, there were also mm. those people who were ready to give you an embrace. So I really do yeah. hold on to what you're saying about choosing your spaces wisely because oh yeah, we, we also get given those people who will give us an embrace, not just those who will turn their backs on us. Um, and perhaps that's, that's key to, to bear in mind. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I always talk about seeing people who see you. When, when, when someone can receive you, where you present yourself to them, that's first prize. It means mm -hmm. they look at you holistically 
happy and they they love you, they 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 take you. And that's how it's supposed to be, right? We're not here to play judge, jury, and executioner over other people's lives or their choices, as long as they don't hurt themselves and others in the process. And I mean, by being who I am, I am not hurting anyone. I mean, if we take it like when my grandma and I had the conversation with my granny, her only fear was that I would die in surgery. I didn't expect that. The world had taught me to prepare myself for rejection. So she, see, she surprised me. And that's when I also learned that it's important to move in spaces that are yours. Spaces, and you always know when a space is, is, is aligned to you or if it's yours or not. We always know. Our, our bodies tell us. Our vibrations tell us that this, this is a space for you. And if it's not a space for you, do not choose that space because human beings are very quick to be unkind. And so if you're in a space that is going to be unkind to you, 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 you are the one who ends up getting hurt, you know? So it's very important. I've got great friends. I've got, you know, I've got amazing people. These people have become my family, you know? They've raised me. Most of my friends have raised me. Um, I'm still friends with them. They've fed me. They've clothed me. They've walked. They've seen me. They've never misgendered me. So they've chosen to see me and to embrace me and to just walk all facets of who I am with you. And that's very important. Yeah. But how important is the acceptance of other people to your sense of self? Um, because acceptance is also something we seek in life. As you said, it's yeah. a, we need to be seen, uh, but we also seek acceptance, whether it's the acceptance of our parents, our friends, our community, uh, because you write as well about your teacher, Wendy Rousseau. Uh, who uh, taught you, but was also an athletics coach. There were times when you sought her approval and acceptance and she granted it, she gave it to you. And you were able to contrast that feeling of acceptance that you got from your teacher to the lack of acceptance from the mother, you know. Mm. Um, So what role does it play, you know, the acceptance of others in our sense of self? So I think you 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 kind of like acceptance for me now has grown to become um, the cherry on the cake. You know, I am the cake; it's mm-hmm. a cherry on top. So I've already accepted myself. I love myself. I I I am self full, as Oprah says, and <laughs> I I find that that the accept- when others accept me, then that's the cherry on top. But it doesn't invalidate who I am. It takes nothing away from me if, if I don't get that externally because it's 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 all within. But I think as we grow as young people, because we haven't experienced life, and because our our we are still young, we still need validation. We need affirmation so that we can mold ourselves into into who we 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 are becoming if i can put it like that so as as a young person we are naturally going to need that you know that is um i think that is a part of being reared in a home setup or in any setup it's part of um making sure that we bring out the best in young people so that they can grow and stand tall in society you know without without a um being feeling inferior, you know, for a long time I felt I wasn't good enough. Even after I'd written becoming him, I still catch myself um, because mm-hmm. I was told I would never amount to anything. I'm not good enough. So now imagine if I had gotten all of this validation to say, "No, you're amazing. One day you're going to write a book or whatever." It 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 cuts out a lot of the unnecessary administration because 
we 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 get we get fueled and injected with that love and feelings of worth from a young age. So I think at some point it's very necessary in your primary space, and then you grow into your own. And suddenly you have ways of, of nurturing it within. You are full of it uh, uh, for yourself, inside yourself, such that the external acceptance then becomes just an addition, the cherry on top of it. Am I making sense? Because yes. that is, we are wounded. We, we are wounded. We are, yo, we are wounded. We are seeking love in the wrong places. You know, there are so many layers of rejection, of turmoil, of hurt that we could bypass if we were filled with all of that and and you know from 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 when we were young and unfortunately a lot of us go through these traumatic experiences at some point those wounds that you spoke about you know that's that that becomes part of our dna from a bit and it's a fragile part of who we are you know so i feel yeah at some point we need to we grow for me i've grown into into loving you i love myself i i am grateful for myself every single day and um so that everyone else's acceptance is the cherry on top but i feel when people when people are happy with who they are when they love themselves when they are content with who they are then they don't find it necessary to hate or invalidate others then it becomes one thing mm-hmm. exactly yes because you I are to that. who you are you know so and I, I and as much as i know that hurt people hurt people at some point we need to start talking about this and finding ways of curbing it early on. Because yeah. even then we become selective about who we apply that to and who we don't apply it to. That's why we need our families to be brave with these they moments. Tell the because, truth. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> they need you to see, be brave. It boils down to the truth. The can, <laughs> yeah, instead of kicking the can down the road, or we'll see it when we're older, or no, we'll sort it out, no. or the next generation will deal with that. But then I want to stay with something no. that you said or expand on something that you said about self-worth, right? Um, mm. You know our society. There are lots of young people who don't have hope, even though they have big mm. dreams, but the things mm. that are happening in their lives have eroded the little hope that they may have had. And they may be feeling mm. like trapped in a cycle of sorts that they just can't climb out of. And I think mm. sometimes we neglect the importance of having children who are good at something, helping children mm. um, be, find what it is that they're good at. You excelled academically. You went on to mm. achieve top marks at your school for the Provincial World yeah. Knowledge Olympiad. Um, and yeah. you competed provincially in athletics. Yeah. You know, so in spite of the hardships that were going on at home that you hardly spoke about at school, you still had this thing that told you that there's something there. There's something there that I need to fight for and hang in there for because there's this evidence that says I'm smart, that there's evidence that says I'm good at athletics. Yeah. No, that's very important. For me, remember, it was my ticket out. So it, yeah. it was my countdown. It was my ticket out. If I got great marks, then I could, I could leave this place, you know, uh, despite the fact that my, 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 my standard four report was changed and I was made to mm. repeat a grade, you know? Mm. Um, so for me, it was my ticket out. And that's the thing about me though. I, when I, when I get into something, I throw all of me in because if something mm. is worth doing, it's worth doing properly. 
that that's something that my grandfather used to drill into my head at some point. So I, I would throw myself into to, to, to my athletics history. History was amazing. Accounting, I hated accounting, but I was passing it extremely well, you know? And mm-hmm. so even with the athletics, when I found shot put, also because shot put seemed, I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't exposed physically because I would still wear the full tracksuit or the shorts. So all of my decisions in terms of the sport had to be calculated because I wasn't, happy with this body, I had to find these sport, sporting codes that could speak to a neutral or not not call me out on, on having to yeah. present in a certain way, you know? And so the, the thing is, I don't think the parents would have allowed it, but it was mandatory. It was part of the school curriculum that you had to do a winter sport, you had to do a summer sport, and you know, so they didn't really have a choice. And it was always a case of the world mustn't know what's going on behind those doors because the mother would say, "If you dare tell me mm-hmm. what's going on, mm-hmm. I'll kill you." So they had to, they had to, they had to allow me those opportunities, and I would throw myself in because it felt great when my teacher, when you were so, was patting me on the back because once again I was I, I had emerged victorious, you know. Or if I'd come tops in my history class as well, so it it felt great. I felt affirmed. I felt. No, I could do this. And back home, I'm scratching down off the days on the back of, of, of that cardboard, noting that it's, it's, it's one year less or it's one day less, you know? So it's my yeah. ticket to freedom. But it becomes very important to nurture those, 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 those sparks in, in, in young kids. You know, as, as yeah. human beings, we all carry shards of light, I believe. And they shine at different points. And we, re- we realize that they, they, they shine very bright at certain points, some of us too late, some of us at the right time, whatever that, that means for individual people. But once we can, we can get those shards and share them, then we illuminate the world, you know? So it becomes important to allow kids to, to, to venture into their greatness from a young age. Um, it, could them. it could save them. It could actually save, save them. them. It could save them from a from a young age and and allow them to delve into that whatever it is you know. Um, earlier today, I was reading something, just a I think it was a screenshot somewhere on Facebook I think, but this young this young person was sharing how um, their mother registered for an LLB with them because they were so terrified of constitutional law, and during the constitutional law exam, the mother sat behind her and was praying mm-hmm. the entire time. And she passed. The mother didn't pass. But the mother was like, okay, my work in terms of this is done. How amazing. Wow. What a sacrifice. So, yo, so if if we could, I think, you know, I I choose not to have kids. I don't feel I I have it in me to have kids. I'd rather not have kids. I don't want that responsibility. Um, Mm -hmm. But when people have chosen to have kids, or when you when you have had kids, I feel it's 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 a responsibility that you've taken to to nurture this gem, you know, to be a guardian over this being, and I feel that's a very big responsibility. And so part of that responsibility comes with allowing this this being to emerge and to grow and to become. And your your role is to to be the premise upon which they build that they are becoming, you know? So it, it becomes very important because, it, like you said, it could save their lives. Mm-hmm. Literally Absolutely. save their lives. Having that, yeah, it's like having a life raft, this thing that you're just holding yeah. onto in a sea of 
hardship and a sea of just yeah just having that life raft but you mentioned your body and I was also curious about your relationship because we all have a conflicted relationship with our bodies you know because these Mm. vessels house so much of who we are and what we need Mm. in fact to survive these vessels do that Um, and sometimes it can be very abusive in our thoughts uh, of our bodies we can also be abusive in our treatment of our bodies and meantime yeah. it's doing it's doing its work it's working hard to stay alive so mm. you've had quite an evolution of this journey yeah. and rela- <laughs> in this relationship <laughs> with yeah. your one, one more intense than many of us you know over time well, your you you see now i i still have a, a few more surgeries to go Maybe I might yeah. do them. Maybe I won't do them. I don't know. We'll mm-hmm. see how that goes. But um, with my body thus far and where it is right now, I am well pleased. I, 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 you know, I, I, I'm able to walk around with with, with my chest out. You, you had, yeah, you, out. you had your shirt. You had your shirt <laughs> down to the fourth button. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm very much sexy. (laughs) So I'm very, I'm very happy. I'm content. Yo, I don't think I could ever decant this into a word, you know, or like if I could open my heart and show the world how it's pumping with joy. Um, I'm very happy. I feel, you know, I feel I'm 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 very much aligned to who I am. Um. Like I said, um, part of my bottom surgery still needs completion. And perhaps I will, but it's very expensive in South Africa. It's very, the, the outcomes are not as great in South Africa because there's no specialist for trans-related bottom surgeries in South Africa. Yeah. So the same surgeon who did my, 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 my stepping, for an example, would have to do that same surgery. Mm-hmm. So I was very much, and I, I even wrote about this in Becoming Him, I was very much aware of that and not quite happy with that. Um, and so there are other spaces like in Serbia, in London, quite expensive, but that's something that yes. Lava and I were talking about actually earlier last week. So, but right now where I am, the fact that I can present as this man and this man who's got this you should have heard my voice when I was younger. Yo, it was annoying. It was high-pitched. It, you know? <laughs> and so right now I'm happy. I'm content. I, you know, I, 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 I'm grateful that I could get my body to be where it is right now. I'm, I'm extremely grateful that I had the resources and the access, you know? And yes. yeah, I'm, I'm truly grateful. That it carried you to the point where you could love it even more. I think there's yeah. such a... There's such a a gift in that, that it carried you yeah. in spite of how you felt, like, you know, the animosity you had towards it. And it yeah. survived the, the parts of the transition that you, you have undergone so far. And for you to now get to a point where you're like, I'm going to show you off. I'm going to show you off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. And I always say that in as much as the body, you know, when the body is not a reflection of who you are and yeah. you are going to embark on this journey, one thing I learned early on was to be patient, to be patient mm. and to be kind with myself because uh, be, because the body, like you said, um, had carried me 
and, and, and carried me to a point where I could now reclaim my autonomy and say, okay, this is where we're heading oh. now. I am now directing yes, the ship now, you know? And mm-hmm. so even after my, 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 my operations, beautiful outcomes, I was, you know, waking up, I was happy. I was, there were no complications. And my doctors were very, you know, they were like, wow. Like, and it's because mm-hmm. I've been waiting for that moment for so long and my body and I had had this agreement, you know? So I've had to, 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 to affirm my body and thank my body as well, because it's done a yes. great job, you know? Those are not minor yeah. surgeries. Those are major, major um, surgeries. And so, yeah, I've, I've, I've fallen in love. I continue to fall in love with who I am. And that, I guess, is mm. the beauty about having found my happiness. Um, and some people would say it's at such a late age. But, you know, it doesn't matter. It's, 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 it's where I am and I'm happy. Uh, I've uh-huh. gotten to a point where I have found utility. Mm. Mm. I think that's just yeah. such a beautiful gift. But let's talk about masculinity because being male comes with masculinity and the performance of masculinity. Um, mm. And you had different forms of masculinity to observe, yeah. to study. Toxic masculinity um, at some point. Different, yeah, there was your grandfather, there was father, there was your brother, you know, uh, cousins mm. along the way, friends as well. So what, what have been your reflections just on masculinity and how you've had to now incorporate it in, move, in the way you move through the world? Mm. So, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of masculine representation in my life um, mm-hmm. growing up and up until this point. And one thing I've learned about this journey towards becoming him and having to now become in all of these facets of one because I express in a very masculine manner. And mm-hmm. so I have learned that there are certain expectations that come with being a man, especially from a, from a, from a traditional uh, cultural space sense. There's a lot of expectations of how a man ought to behave, how a man ought to present themselves, how a man ought to conduct certain of, of his affairs in whatever space they move in. has been bittersweet because at some point it, 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 it removes a part of my autonomy away if I allow it. And on the other mm-hmm. hand, it might not give me access to spaces that I would like to present in fully. Um, so it, 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 it's been a bit of a web sort of navigation of self in terms of, of my expression, but I've found it to also boil down to really just always aligning yourself and expressing it the truest form of who you are. Mm. Um, a lot of masculinity comes with a lot of anger. Sure, it comes mm-hmm. with a lot of anger. It's, it's very angry. It's, it's very, and it's very intentional in that anger. And I myself have, 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 have become, at some point in my life, I was susceptible to that, to that anger and, and to mm. that toxic masculinity, you know? And so I've learned to, to it's, it's necessary for me to decant and distill the various parts of who I am such that I don't work against um, 
myself in the name of masculinity or wanting to present in certain spaces, if I'm yeah. making sense. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm. So it's also something you continue to kind of work your way in and through and around taking what yeah. feels right, uh, you know, kind of, uh, thinking quite clearly about or negotiating quite clearly around what doesn't feel right. So it's still, yeah. it's still ongoing too, but it's still a learning journey. A, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. As you say, society also plays a major role in what that process will ultimately become. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, from a young age, I've, I've been, Look, when I went, I, and I guess it's because my grandfather was in the reflective stage of his life. I always say this. Uh, so yes. he allowed me a lot of liberties, right, on the home level. And so I would move in spaces that were not, that were exclusively male and masculine, you know. Mm. And growing up and going back to Umtata, my community in Umtata, peri urban, very set in its ways, traditions and how things are done, you know, methods of, of doing things. But I've found it almost seamless to move in those spaces. One, one that is very predominant would be when, when young men go into circumcision school and then they come back again. Um, I've, found it, I've found that space has been created for me, but even in those spaces, I need to see what works for me and what doesn't. Because um, for me, I've found that some of the... I won't, I won't align with some of the conversations, not because I'm a trans man, but because I just don't agree with them, you know? Mm. Um, mm. And some of the, 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 you know, some of the talks and some of the things that I've done. But I found that my community opened up a space. I didn't have to ask them. I didn't have to explain or present myself and say, um, call a meeting and, 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 and out myself to people. No, uh, it would be casual conversations. Like when I told, I'll be, my pronouns are he, him, and we would move on from there. So they journeyed with me. But I found that I've had to constantly decant what I would like or what doesn't work for me, what works for me. Maybe the space doesn't resonate with who I am. And that's okay. I don't have to be yeah. in that space. So it's, it's, it's a constant learning. And again, a rehashing of how how much of social, be, of, of how we've been constructed as, as social beings such that we, we, we shy away from moving against the grail because you, you are messing the flow of things. No, you can't do that. That's why they're there. There's someone conceived mm. them. And so you mm. must question them and ask, how did this come about? You know, why do we do mm. things this way? You know? Um, so yeah, I, I've learned to to pick my battles when it comes to that. Yeah. Testosterone on its own is a very, you know, it's 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 it, even when I when I started taking the hormone, uh, my doctors did tell me that I'm going to be susceptible to bouts of anger, and so because I've got this hormone that I'm introducing in, in quite a large uh, dose to my body. Mm-hmm. And so I've had to learn to pick my battles in terms of not everything that works for a masculine presenting person is going to work for me. And I choose to leave some things out of my, my life because they, they are not necessary for me and they do not work for me as a being, not even as a male or masculine presenting being. Just as Ulanda. I just don't agree with this. 
and it doesn't work for me and and that's the end of that mm. oh, i'm just so touched by what you said about your community in the eastern cape mm. the space that they have created you know that is so much grace in fact oh um, yes it's and that's incredibly humbling no yes it is you know um even in terms of i remember the last time i was home 2018 or so i my old older half brother would have to go and be part of this team that was slaughtering at this home. He came and fetched me, dude, we need to go and slaughter sheep. I'm like, hey, dude, yeah, I've got my knife with me. You know, so they, 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 they always, they, they, they created the space for me such that when I'm there, it's, it's not even an afterthought. It's like, no, come, let's go. Mm. You know, so, and I really do appreciate that because it means within their own language and their own way of doing things, they yes. have found ways affirming Orlando not for me but for themselves and for me mm-hmm. that distinction became clear and it, it became very important there for them that's their language those are their practices that is how they do things that's how they make sense of life and for them doing that it affirms themselves in terms of my journey and so by creating that space for me to move move in and to exist in and it's very important for them you know um mm-hmm. so yeah I, I find it to be very yeah it's, a, it's an amazing thing i do i do i do, I do yeah. find it to be quite unique yeah. and amazing that is just beautiful um can we talk about god for a bit because mm. i was i looked at of what you wrote in the book you say you know in the torment of uh, Yolanda becoming Landa. You spent many sleepless nights, you know, times talking to God. And there's a capture that there's a phrase that you used or a line where you say, God, you, a God that you believed to be evil. Mm, um, yeah. and, and you were turning to this God that you believed to be evil, asking not for serenity, but for courage mm. to end your life. Yeah. And, that was, it just also took the wind out of me, you know, not just because of your skillful use of words, but in, of course, this framing that the way God is framed to us, you have your earthly parents and yeah. these are the parents who had let you down. And then you have this heavenly father who has your mm. back, who's, we're, we're taught that he has your back no matter what, or she has your back no yeah. matter what, you know. And there was this the sense that you felt despair, that there was a despairing between, or you had despaired from... Yeah. Yeah, but there was a despairing between you and, and God. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. There was a, oh, there was a, oh, there was a very big void there. I mm. couldn't stomach God. I... As, and and the, 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 the image and the... the the notion of, of God that, that I knew then was a very angry God, was a very jealous God, was a very strict God, was a God who punished people, a God who was going to send people to hell. And I mean, this is all something that was inculturated in me as I am growing uh, during my time staying with the parents, right? And I, I didn't like this God because for me, this God is... This God's love came at a very great pain, you know? 
And I was proof of that pain. I was proof of that, hey, we go to church on Saturday, we sing, we, we know what we, we do, we check all the boxes, but this love is still not forthcoming, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I had resigned myself to say, you know what, I see you as this God that has been presented in this format that I've been indoctrinated to see you as this is the image that you are. You are not a kind God to me. I I don't like you. And so now I'm asking us to play by your rules. And your rules mean give me the courage to just end it all. These are your, this is what I have gotten from you, you know? And and that's where I was. I was at a very low point, you know, and I just didn't understand this God. It, this God didn't make sense for me. Um, mm-hmm. So I had to speak to this God on this God's terms. And that for me was what I was saying at that point. Um, and I needed the courage because God was very courageous. That's what, that is what I was. So I was asking to borrow a bit of this courage to just end it off. Because I was no longer interested. There was no point to my existence. Um, And so I was trying to meet that particular God on that God's level, you know. Mm. And since I have grown to to realize, you know, one one of the most amazing parts about my realization was when I found all of this information and I started um, slowing down and allowing myself to journey was the realization that this God is, is not an evil God. And this God does not have blonde hair and blue eyes. No, this God is, is an extension. I am a representation of this God while I'm on earth. You know, so mm-hmm. it's, 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 I've grown into a different relationship um, with a God that's not unkind, a God that's not cruel, a God that, that doesn't reflect the, the traumas that I was living and existing through um, during my time with the parents or during my, my early years in Cape Town where I was battling to live, battling to survive. Mm. So it, it's, it's been a full, it's been a, it's quite a journey. Um, and yeah, I, I was very angry with God. I couldn't, I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand also because we, there's certain verses from the Bible we get taught, and all of these speak to hope. But my 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 situation is so bleak. It's it's it didn't align with what with certain facets of this God. But what it did align with was the the the, the angry part, the cruel part. The, the, yeah. You know, so I was like, no, okay, let's let's talk your let's speak your language. So mm. I mm. just need up, no. you know. No, you're certainly very expressive with rejecting uh, not just the church that you were being that you were raised in, but also yeah. you know rejecting <laughs> this God. Um, so I just wondered where things are today. But there's obviously uh, a sense of that journey because uh, the Dalai Lama, not just the book, oh, yes, you know, one of the yeah. books that the Dalai Lama has written, but you know the the loving Landa part of of your journey that's still unfolding certainly bears testimony yeah. finding a spiritual place a place where you can anchor yourself that makes sense to you yeah. um yeah. and that further fulfills your life yeah no definitely 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 it it, it i've got i've got that that connection i've got that that god that that doesn't doesn't 
is not binary, you know, that, that is neither male nor female. Could be yeah. non-binary, yeah. And yeah. I've got this God who I am, who I'm, I'm really connected to right now. And it, I've evolved, I've evolved. I don't believe in, in organized religion at all. I, I, I don't mm. I don't play that guitar at all. It doesn't. You don't for subscribe. Me. No, sorry. <laughs> no thanks to that newsletter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but I do. I do feel all religion is a form of catharsis. Um, if we if we are to look at it sort of um, objectively, I think it's a form of catharsis for everyone. For some people, they just lose themselves. Some people are using it as a as as a weapon to hide behind certain. Um, to hide behind in avoiding a lot of things. So for it, 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 it's different for different strokes for different folks, but not personally, irreligion and I are not friends. We are not happening, but there is a deity, there's a God, there's a being that just envelopes me and I'm connected to, and I've gotten to grow into and acknowledge and, 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 and relate to over, over the years of healing. Um, mm. I, I I found I found a resting place, as it were. Yes, in knowing yes. that there's a bigger there's a bigger entity beyond me, and my life is 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 bigger than than what I thought. But it's also um, a result and a connection to this big diet. Mm. So, how do you feel about Wilbur Smith? Now, there's <laughs> no mention oh. of Wilbur Smith. <laughs> you know, your books are in the bookstores. Wilbur Smith is all over the place because he's no. an author. That I know. Uh, every yeah. time you walk into the mother's room, <laughs> and you always mention how she's reading no. another Wilbur Smith. <laughs> oh, no, she had this collection of. I've actually got one of Wilbur Smith. I saw the other day. I haven't. I haven't. I don't know how. I, I haven't. I haven't recovered fully from Wilbur Smith. I remember when Becoming Him came. Um, and was in the bookstores, and every exclusive books I walked into at the front were Wilbur Smith. I was like, oh no, yeah, is this Wilbur Smith again, you know? Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> um, the mother was a big, was a big Wilbur Smith fan, and um, yeah, I don't know, I, there's no love lost there. Um, mm. But I guess. Hopefully one day I'll give myself an opportunity to read. Yes, and take and take the sting out of out of seeing yeah. it because sometimes I think you've got to do. You got to pick up by the book, read the book. <laughs> see what she likes about his writing, so that in you. future when you see it, it does. It's no. It's no longer a trigger. Yeah, it's it like it doesn't affect me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that will happen. No, that will be as he said. <laughs> in time, yeah, no, I've, in I've learned time. to. I've learned to. Yeah, I will, I'll probably. I mean, if this writing of mine is going to continue, then I'll probably need to delve into such books. I mean, to see yeah. um this, yeah. this greatness around around all that. So yeah, no <laughs> time. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you have had to also trust yourself. Um, mm-hmm. or trust others, I should say. You've had to trust others with parts of yourself. You've, le- you've had yeah. to learn to do that. It wasn't always easy. I mean, you've rejected people because you simply were not ready to share parts of mm. you with them, you know? Yeah. Um, mm. And that also came across as a journey that 
was not easy and many of us struggle with it. What, what, what lessons can you share from your journey in learning to trust other people with parts of you that you are most sensitive about? Because we, we can keep it to ourselves, you know? That's what mm. we often do. We, we cage it and we keep it to ourselves. Like, you can't see this. You're not allowed to see this. Mm. So I think, I think it becomes important to firstly acknowledge that there are these parts of yourself that you are not willing to, to show to people as yet. But what I've learned really to, to work, to, to, to get to a point where I'm able to share those parts, I've learned mm-hmm. to communicate. Our communication is very important. You know, I've, I've found it to be very necessary in all of my relationships, not just romantic relationships, every, every, every single relationship to, to, to learn how to speak and to learn how to express um, how I feel and what it is that I'm scared of or what it is I fear will, will happen if, 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 I, if, if, I, if, I, if I make a certain choice. So I found that communication has become a, a very central to who I am. But more than anything else, I've learned that as humans, we are here right now um, to fulfill our different um, you know, roles, the purpose that we're designed for, but most importantly, that everyone we come into contact with um, leaves us better off in the long run, even though it might seem that is not the case in, in the immediate, um, in the short to, to, to medium term. So what, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is by, by not revealing parts of ourselves or sharing parts of ourselves, doesn't mean we must be reckless with ourselves, but by not sharing parts of ourselves with others, we are robbing ourselves of fuller experiences. Over time, mm. we learn to build. We learn to build our defense systems well. We learn discernment very, very well with with yes. subsequent encounters. So we, we we need to be able to trust that we will be able to 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 curb what 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 we need to curb at any given point in time, especially as we grow older. So by by limiting by limiting ourselves by by holding back. We are, we are robbing ourselves of full experiences. You're saying by doing that, by doing that, we deny ourselves the fullness of that yeah, journey with that person. That because experience. every person is there for a reason and a season. So we almost, yeah. we, we cut what the reason could have been. We limit what that season could have been and the impact of that because exactly. we were busy trying to keep things in the cage or not hidden from the other person and not be fully um, open. And and the thing about that is I also always reflect. One the the greatest lesson my grandparents left me with, and I'm so grateful for it, is, 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 is the ability to reflect. You know, I had a lot of conversations with them towards the end of their lives. And when I reflect in relation to anyone, I ask myself a question. How would I feel if A, B, C, D? So for an example, if I've been a villain in someone's story, do I think it's fair that I allow um, myself to not open up just because I've been a villain? Or how does it work if, if it was someone else? Do you get what I'm saying? Mm, so I can't, yeah. I can't limit or close myself off 
just because I've had a terrible experience or a bad encounter, I can't make other people pay for the sins of other people. Or yeah, for the fact absolutely. that I, I, I wasn't alert or aware. I need mm. to, it's also letting go and surrendering to your life and just allowing your life. Oh. That is one of the best best things you can do for yourself, a surrender. Yeah. It's, you know, we no, resist it, but if anything, that's, that's actually what we need to do in many uh, situations in our lives or many of the blockages or areas of resistance that we find in our lives. It's just mm. to surrender. Um, and so and that's present. definitely, yeah. yeah, to be present because that's also uh, something that uh, had to learn with time because we, we grow. And as you grow, uh, hopefully you are taking on these lessons and not leaving them as yeah. to always improve. <laughs> not just floating. <laughs> yeah, not just floating and not learning anything. <laughs> but I think I've been counting, I think three times in this conversation you've, and I, and I'm not going to mention how you post, but um, three times in this conversation, you've referred to Lava. And so it's mm. so clear, Landa, watching you, you, it's clear that you have found a place uh, to rest for this season in your life. Yeah. You have found a place of rest with someone that is, um, that you grow, that, that is fully accepting. Just, you know, what, what rest inspires, that you can rest here. Yeah, no, definitely. Yo, um, Love and I are dating for five years now. Before that, we were Amazing. very good friends. And we just, more than anything, like we are great friends, you know? We, and I guess I, I value that a lot because I've seen what friends can do, especially for me, you know? And I have learned to, this is the first relationship where I don't have to abide by the, you know, we get, again, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an understanding that relationships come with a certain type of conflict or there has to be a conflict. Yeah. If there's no yeah. conflict and the relationship is not healthy, yeah, they have, there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no manual here. There's no pre uh, condition that, okay, lover, at some point we are going to have conflict. No. We, we, I've, I've never been in a relationship where I don't have I had disagreement or conflict for almost five years, you know? Mm. And it's, 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 it's a space where I've really grown. Um, Ulava has taught me a lot in terms of communication. She needs to take, she takes all the credit for that. Uh, in terms of how you say things, let us sit down and talk about where we are. Where are you right now? And she never invalidates how I'm feeling. You know, sometimes we could spend a week talking about the mother intermittently, of course. And I'd be like, lover, I don't understand what was going on with this woman or say something, you know. And she would be some, on some, your, your, your feelings are not, are, are very valid, lover. And you must remember, you stayed with this person for a big part of, a big chunk of your life and your formative years. So it will take time for you to fully work out certain things in relation to how she evokes uh, certain emotions from you, even with therapy. So I've learned that nothing is, in, is invalid mm -hmm. in terms of mm -hmm. love and human relations. We've been conditioned, we've been, you know, we've, we've been, tuned to believe that for, for a specific end to happen, we must have walked a specific path. And I'm learning that it, it, it's not true, you know? Um, 
Yeah, and we we travel together. So I find that I'm I'm really easing up, you know, and I'm yeah. I'm allowing myself to really just be in this relationship for it and and to 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 allow this relationship to to manifest as it wants to and to 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 ride this wave as it as it you know so it's 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 beautiful it's it, and it's taken a lot of work i mean I, oh, my previous relationships were not were not healthy spaces you know and yeah. so it's 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 amazing to find that i am able to continuously do the work that allows me to meet um olava where we can meet together and find that equilibrium in the relationship without these these set of rules that ought to happen and i guess it also helps that lava's parents are also quite amazing parents you know mm. um mm. so she comes with she comes with a support structure of her own that is fully into who we are you know right. so that that is amazing you know so it it takes a lot of pressure from the relationship because again we come from spaces where there are expectations okay you are mm-hmm. here now when are you going to the next step why can't we be just where we are you know mhm mhm ah, so that's yeah, beautiful it's, it's a beautiful space no it's absolutely beautiful whenever i see um your those posts and you said lover did this and this i'm like He must be in my house because we use the same term of affection for each other too. It's like, oh, yes, no, amazing. you know, so yeah, it just immediately even changes how you regard that person. It does. With that it kind does. of endearment, you know, and that's how we're saying the word rest because the, yeah. uh, I'm kind of transposing my experience on yours because we use yeah. the same word. Because it's like because you, you have speak to them this with place love. of rest. Mm. Yeah, you mm. speak even, to them with love. So it, it, it even if it's robust, even if yeah, yeah. Even, if it's robust, <laughs> even if there is um, some kind of disagreement, but because there is the use of lava, yeah, it it already just is offered with love, even if it is a disagreement. Yeah. No, it's beautiful. It's, it's, and it's <laughs> amazing love. to find it in this like in this lifetime, you know? There's so many rules and that's the thing. Like, oh, it's it's yeah. It's yeah. But I'm glad you're in this beautiful place where one's heart can can rest, especially a wounded heart yeah. that needs sure, a yeah. place of rest. So yeah. Is is the boy in you as in the inner child mm. who had to experience life in a little girl's body happy mm. yeah or is there times or are there times when that little boy gets sad that he never got to be a boy oh no i i i i i you know i've learned to Falling in love with all of me is falling in love with all facets of my journey and all facets of my existence. So I have never felt, in as much as it it was frustrating that I was in this little girl's body, I could never invalidate her because she gave birth to me. And so I always hold it in high regard because she was a beautiful part of who I am, you know, or who I was. um and that is besides the name changing to landa um and i talk about how uma had given this name and how i didn't want to deflect too far away from the name that uma had named me i always also wanted to give reverence 
to Yolanda because she had to be for me to become, you know? Mm. And, and I know a lot of, a lot, and the thing, the beautiful thing about any journey is that no two journeys are the same as no two individuals are the same. So some trans individuals don't want to talk about their former names. We refer to it as a dead name and that's okay. But for me, I felt it's such a beautiful part and a big part of, of, of my journey towards me. And so that is why I included it in the book. It's, it's something that I'm, I hold in very high regard because it's, it's, it's what gave birth to me. It was a vessel that I had to come into life in and from there emerge to be this amazing guy that I am. So no, I don't, I don't cry for any young boy. I feel when I reflect and I look back in my life, perhaps if you had asked me this question when I was pre-hormone um, therapy, I would have probably said yes. But now that I've grown and I've become and I'm, I still, I'm still growing, I feel everything kind of like slotted in as it was supposed to. So she had to be there. She had to be the vessel that brings me to this earth and, and travel a part of, of my journey with me and then allow me to blossom from there. Mm-hmm. So no, not at all. I don't have any, I don't have any pining for him. Perhaps in the next lifetime, I'll come back as a horse. Perhaps I'll come back <laughs> in a body this time. I don't know. Yes, but for this yes. particular journey, I'm very, I'm very much grateful to, to, to that young, young person. Yes. Who had in fact, I, so I enjoyed I actually enjoyed how you described it. I think towards the end of the book, you know, about uh, in your healing, you segment your life that there was the childhood, there were the teenage years, the adult uh, years and the self-love years, which is where you are now. And I just thought that was such a beautiful metaphor um, to describe your life and the many different parts that make who you are today. I thought it was a beautiful metaphor. Yeah, and so I can't, ed- I don't want to edit any of those out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 see, I see the value in each of them. Um, there's a lot of, of, there's a lot that has happened. There's a lot of, that has, you know, changed. There's a lot that has become, there's a lot that has unbecome. So there's a lot that, that it's, it's, it's this, you know, it's a cesspool of all of this activity. And so I'm grateful for each bit of it because, it, it, it has all allowed me to, to have this firm foundation and this solid um, sort of premise in terms of who I am. Right. How do we as, as citizens, as allies, as human beings advocate for a gender diverse society? What can we do? So we, 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 speak, we speak about the reality that gender is diverse, that, that sex is diverse. We call people out on, on their... Um, transphobia, on the biphobia, you know, we, we, we affirm ourselves as allies. We don't sit on the sidelines and wave the flags or put in the borders on our Facebooks when it's these days. We actually have conversations and we engage our communities. You know, we, we, we talk about um, the reality that, that is diversity and how we, we as human beings do not have the liberty to dictate how others should live their lives. We do that in our various places on the platforms that we have, you know. Um, that's a very important conversation that needs to happen. We, 
we find ways to to open up uh, the conversations on the home level. We talk to our kids about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we 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 talk. We tell our we we teach our kids the fundamentals from a perspective of love and 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 not hatred for others who do not walk the way they do or sing the way they do or, or dress the way they do, you know? So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it all starts on the home level. It all, the young minds are molded there and that, that's where we start to have these conversations. Mm. Yeah. Lan Damabene, thank you. <laughs> thank you thank very you, much. Thank you, I loved reading your book. I just adore you. Um, and I'm glad that you, you made too. time to be with me on the show today. No, thank you. And thank you for, for reading Becoming Him. I, I'm grateful that I, I, I was able to put the book out there and to tell the story as painful as it is. Um, despite the fact that some people in my immediate families have decided to no longer be associated with me because that's how it happens when you write a memoir. Then some mm-hmm. people are not mm-hmm. happy because you've put our mm-hmm. business out there. And that's okay, you know. But for the most part, it's it's been a point of connection for a lot of people. And it's been a point of um, healing for a lot of people. So thank you yeah. for reading the book and thank you for this um, conversation that we had today. A lot was said today, a lot was shared. Some. So thank you. I'm grateful. Thank you, Linda. Loved it. Thank you so much. <laughs>